Hello and welcome to the Football Revolution. I'm your host, Gio. Great to have your company. Two more teams bite the dust. The remaining four will clash over two legs. Play movement starting to warm up and much more football to chat about. And joining me to get us going is my co-host, VIG. Good evening. Good evening. How you doing? Mate, uh, not not quite as good as you. So I can see there you're wearing, your, you've dusted it off, you've pulled it out of the archives uh, and you've uh, you've got it now looking pretty Mickey Mouse. The old Napoli uh is it, is it a warm-up top? Is it a is it a wet weather it's top? A, what is it? It's a it's a vest, mate. So it's appropriate with the uh, the weather we're having at the moment, just keeping me nice and warm, and um, got the champions on my chest, um, you know, throughout the night and, and throughout the day. But yeah, huge huge for Napoli to to win the the league in Italy, um, first time in thirty three years since uh, the late Diego Armando Maradona was there. So uh, crazy scenes as well. Uh, the whole city's uh, just erupted. So um, yeah, really happy. Mate, it's a shame we couldn't have sent you over there to cover it from uh, from Naples. That would have been a, an experience for you. I don't know if you would have got out there with you all intact. Uh, if I went <laughs> over there, there's there's probably zero chance I was coming back alive. I think, I don't know, it was just absolute absolute scenes over there and um, they look like they're having plenty of fun. Mate, it's one more trophy than my teams have won so far this year. So uh, as per usual, you're ahead of me uh, by, by a mile. But uh Moving back into the A-League, so uh, Wanderers star Los Ninkovic is escorted out of the Sydney FC changing rooms at the directive of head coach Steve Koreka after attempting to congratulate his former teammates after his team was eliminated by the Sky Blues. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I saw this. Interesting. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it was a bit of play acting because the uh, all-access cameras were there, but um, you know, I, I find it strange that he that he actually went in there to to congratulate his, his ex-teammates. I know he's probably still close with a few of them. But um, I just feel like the timing of that is is really strange, and and I don't know if that's something that was was pushed upon him to actually go in there and do it, or if he just willingly thought, oh, I've got to go and, and congratulate the teammates. It's it's a weird one, you know. It's it's a derby. You're playing for the rivals. You've just lost. Um, you know, for me, I wouldn't be going in there to shake, you know, shake hands. Corica's reaction, I can understand that as well. You know, like what's he doing? What's he doing in the dressing sheds after the team's just won? They're in there celebrating. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a it's a strange strange thing for me. Look, usually you get you have some idea right of which ones uh, smells like BS, right? And you can kind of lean towards away, but it's it's hard to tell, right? Because Kareka said he did go in to congratulate, right? So he didn't go in there and try and do something wrong, but he said we've got issues between us, and there's obviously a history there, so we've thrown him out. But the same thing. Okay, why did Ninkovic go in there? Like, okay, did he really go in there to say, hey, guys, thanks a lot. Thanks for knocking us out of the competition. I hate that you've kicked me to the curb and I luckily found the Wanderers and you've knocked me out of finals football. So it, it, it's, it's so it's really hard to tell who's telling the truth. I think that in the next coming weeks, we'll probably get the full story. And when you ask Rudan, he said, oh, you know, I haven't spoken to him yet and I haven't spoken to him yet and I don't know really what happened. So nobody seems to know who's on first, who's on second. So look, it, it was, it probably just adds to the drama. Um, and you know, it, it, it was a, it was a, um, it was a great game. It was a great spectacle. It was a, it was a good crowd. So there was lots to like about it, but, um, yeah, look, uh, for me, it's left me a bit confused, but, uh, look, hopefully in the next week or two before we, uh, we get to the final, we'll be able to find out exactly what happened. Star talent and Adelaide rocket launcher and the story Irin Kunda is rumored to be on the move to Bundesliga giants at Bayern Munich. Huge, huge. If if true, like um, you know, he's a he's a generational talent. He's you know he's he's absolute freak. He's got a rocket of a of a right foot. Um, you know, he's still he's still young. He's still raw. He's 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 got plenty of potential. And and we talk about this all the time, especially with young players in the A League. You need to go somewhere where you're going to play. You have to play as much football as possible at that age. You know, upwards of thirty games a season. Um, 
you know, what minimum. Is, what that, is that's a rocket launcher. It's just sitting in the cupboard. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> like, no point. You know, I, I don't know. Ask the Russians. They've got plenty sitting in the cupboard, don't they? <laughs> um, no, but honestly, it's 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 frustrating because if you're going to go to a big club like that, then, you know, I, I don't think he's going to go straight into the first team. He's going to be loaned out somewhere or he's going to go and play for the second team. Of course um, he will because he's never started an A-League game. Exactly. And it's for, for Bayern Munich. Exactly, exactly. And it's it's great. He's got plenty of talent. He's he's a fantastic young footballer, but he still has a lot to learn. He's got a lot of development, um, not just not just physically and and uh, mentally, but um, tactically as well. You, you know, you go over to Europe and and you need to be spot on tactically. You need to do exactly what the coach instructs you to do. Otherwise, you won't play. It's it's simple as that. We'll watch this move with interest. Happy birthday to your little brother, Alex, who celebrates his 26th birthday today. All the best to him and also to goalkeeper, Jordan Holmes. Yeah, not so little anymore. So, um, yeah, I think I think Alex and Jordan maybe played together in the in the youth um, back in the day. So, um, yeah, he's been – it's it's crazy to think he's been overseas for, for eight years now. So, um, went over when he was 18. So, it's um, – yeah, time flies. No, it's interesting to see if the uh, – the Americans can put on a big, bigger party for him than he was used to in uh, France the last few years. So, um, mate, keep us posted. Let us know how the party goes uh, over in Colorado. I don't know. He's pretty close to Vegas. Maybe a day trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mate. Maybe if they play an early game in the week, they can. Uh, maybe you can get the weekend off. That's it. All right. A round of applause for MacArthur Bulls legend Brendan BMW Wyatt, who handed over a check to the Brain Foundation Australia for nineteen thousand. $144, an amazing charity, and the money can help with crucial crucial research. So fantastic effort from our man. Uh, you know, like I said, a lot of people talk the talk, but not many of them walk the walk or run the run or do 170K runs. So uh, absolute legend, love the guy. And uh, like I said, uh, you know, hopefully he'll just take a bit of time off now to, uh, you know, spend a bit of time doing some stuff for himself or his, uh, his, his lovely girlfriend. Yeah, look, incredible gesture. What what he did was was amazing. Um, you know, nineteen thousand dollars. It's it's huge. So, um, hats off to him. Uh, congratulations, and and you know, I think uh, Uli Davila will be forever uh, grateful for this uh, gesture. PL News: Man City leading Arsenal by a point and has an extra game in hand. Newcastle hold down third, two points ahead of United, and has Liverpool on their tails. And down the other end, the Saints on 24, Everton on 29, and Forest on 30 are currently on the way out of the Premier League. But Leeds, who are on 30 as well, but on goal difference, are slightly ahead of Forest. And Leicester, who are also on 30, also still have some sleepless nights ahead. So I think the win overnight for uh, West Ham's put them on 37. So they look like they're safe. So it means there's five teams, you know, fighting to uh, avoid the uh, the guillotine. But uh Staying on the Premier League, and finally, Harlan shows his generosity by giving his teammate Gundogan the spot kick, allowing him a chance to claim his hat trick. He missed the penalty, and it left Pep furious, saying he's the best penalty taker, so he should take it. Agree? Yeah, uh, it's a, it's a strange one. Um, yeah, look, I, I don't know. He's he's banged in. He's already scored fifty goals this season. It's, it's you know about time he, he shared it around a little bit, but um. Yeah, look. If, if for me, if you're if you're the number one penalty taker, you take one until you miss. It, it doesn't matter how many penalties there are. It doesn't matter if you have to take five in one game. You, you take them until you miss, and then the second choice penalty taker takes them, and then he takes them until he misses. And then I don't know if you go back and forth, or or if you have three penalty takers, whatever whatever the system is. Um, you know, for me, if if you're taking them and you're scoring them, then you just continue to take them. I agree with that. We'll just stick with that, mate. And that's why you've probably got a lot of goals in your career too, because they give you the pens and you never hand them back. So, and if you keep scoring, you keep uh, getting getting the runs on the board. 
if only. I, I can't remember the last time I scored a goal. <laughs> All right, mate. Well, we'll get off that topic then. Player Escape Room is actually Coach's Escape Room this week as we are joined for a chat by the deadly coaching duo at the Central Coast Mariners of head coach Nick Montgomery and assistant coach Sergio Rimondo. So we're super excited about that. Revolutionised roundup of the two men's elimination finals. And is there anything I didn't see, VIG? Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of things. I don't know. Did you see Teo Hernandez's goal for AC Milan versus Lazio? Incredible. He, he's done this before, but he, he picks the ball up just outside his own 18-yard box. Dribbles the whole pitch. He's, he's such a powerful player um, and sort of cuts, drifts inside and then just puts one into the top right-hand corner. With his, He's got a wonderful left foot. Um, but that was, a, for me, probably the, the goal of the weekend. Um, Lons are, are in second in, in League One at the moment as well. So they've got a Champions League spot up for grabs. I think they're only six points behind PSG, who, who lead the league at the moment. And um, they, they've jumped ahead of Marseille into that Champions League, automatic Champions League spot um, in France. And, um, yeah, so that's they're, they're probably the two the two big things that um, I noticed. Yeah, quality highlights. I did actually see them both. And uh, I know normally you, you got the jump on me, but uh, I, I made sure this week I did my homework. So I had seen those and they were very impressive. Uh, my weekly rap has been replaced by shout-out, dedicating a weekly song to a team or a player for their good or bad performance. This week's shout-out will please you. It goes out to Napoli, who have waited for a long time to experience success again, winning their first Serie A championship since 1990 when, as you said, legendary Diego Maradona led them to victory. And the song we send to them is Nicki Minaj's hectic track, Win Again. It's also mind-blowing that there is a mural with the figure of Maradona. I don't know if you've seen this. On his face have. is a window that opens uh, only opens when Napoli is champion. It's been closed since 1990, but it was opened in 2022 when Argentina won the World Cup. And yesterday it opened again as the club had won the Scudetto again after 33 years. So absolutely, I've, these people I've, are I've been, I've been there. I've, I've, been to, I've been to this mural, right? There was, we, we were driving through, coming back from Positano, um, driving driving through Naples, we had a you know a couple of hours to kill in Naples. Went and got some pizza, queued up for an hour to get a five euro slice of pizza, best pizza I've ever had. And then I said to I said to Danielle, I said we've got to go find this mural of, of Maradona. I want to take a photo of it. So I'm I'm asking every Tom, Dick, and Harry in in Napoli or every well, yeah, Louis, Tom, Dick, every every every, <laughs> every, every Lu, Luigi and Lorenzo. Um, where, where this mural is and I've finally found it had to go up these back streets um but yeah it was it's it's amazing and and like you said crazy to see that there, there's a mirror on his face that's only ever been opened um you know well since the third time third time now so um yeah crazy it saves on cleaning costs right if you don't open your window you don't get any dust in right so their, their apartment's pretty clean they've saved 33 years of cleaning bills for their apartment <laughs> so what the, the, there's there's been no sunlight in that apartment i, I wouldn't want to see the uh, the mildew in there and yeah, the mold i know all right yeah. uh, moving on to our revolutionized roundup of the elimination finals so we only need to do a match of the day each because there was only two games so there's no mini reviews so uh for the listeners you know it's the score the goal scorers the players of the game the turning point and what we would have changed either coach vig or geo to to have changed the result or the outcome of the game so there was the first of the uh, the two elimination finals was the uh, Adelaide United versus Wellington Phoenix game on the Friday night. The uh, final score was 2-0. The goal scorer, he scored both, was Craig Goodwin in the 19th and also in the 67th from the penalty spot. 
Sticking with the same theme, the player of the match for me was Adelaide's captain who led from the front. He won the penalty. He scored both goals. He put one on a platter for Blackwood that somehow he missed his header from point blank range. And he basically guided his team to victory. So there's nothing more that uh, Craig Goodwin could have done. If the Phoenix had gone through to the uh, semifinals, it would have been of no fault to Craig Goodwin because he did every single thing he could. And in the end, it was just too good for, uh, uh, I suppose, a better uh, than previous week's Phoenix. But yeah, just not quite good enough. Yeah, like he, he literally put the team on his back and, and literally carried them through that, that final. Um, you know, we've been saying Adelaide have been down on form, down on confidence the last couple of weeks. They haven't really been playing to their full potential. Um, you know, maybe they lack a few leaders in that team, but Craig Goodwin, you know, when 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 the tough get going, you know, he's he's one of the toughest and he, he literally he put the team on his back and said, hang on a sec, we're, we're going through to the semifinal. Um, we're going to have a crack again, getting, getting through this final against Central Coast, who... They they really they they owe Central Coast um, one after after getting spanked by them uh, last or two weeks ago. So um, is this going to be a, a a great contest, uh, great home and away series now? And um, you know Adelaide have, have been thrown a lifeline courtesy of their captain Craig, Good, Craig Goodwin. Yeah, look, the Mariners are a totally different beast, and uh, he's going to need to put him on his back two more times to get through the semis into a final against someone else. So three more times he's going to have to put. Uh, his beloved Reds on his back, but uh, look, if anyone's capable, he is. The turning point for me was when uh, Rufa hit the post right on the stroke of halftime. It was basically almost the last kick of the game from a corner. It, uh, the ball ricocheted off a couple of uh, Adelaide defenders before falling to uh, Rufa, who hit the post. Uh, it would have given the away team an unbelievably huge lift heading going into halftime. So being 1-0 down away from home, okay, still not a bad effort, but uh, going in at 1-1 would have put the whole momentum swing to uh, to Ulfak Talley's team. Unfortunately, it hit the post and somehow stayed out. Um, and they were unable to basically get that equaliser and eventually uh, Adelaide were able to put the game to bed with a, a penalty. But uh, for me, the thing that I would have changed is Ulfak, uh, you know, has, has played a slightly defensive, more defensive uh, lineup than he's than, than he has been doing, especially earlier on the season. He played a back four and two holding midfielders. He only introduced Krayev for Barbarusis in the forty sixth, so it wasn't taking off a defender or a defensive midfielder; it was taking off an attacker. He only brought the creative and dangerous Lewis Clayton Lewis on for Rufa in the sixty eighth. So that's okay, a, you know, a good positive change. But by that stage, it was two 0 down. And then he brought on striker Van Haddam for Jugarkovic in the 86. By that stage, it was uh, game over. So I think that he should have definitely, uh, especially when they were one down, he should have brought on Lewis. I think he should have gone at them. I know he was probably hoping he could pinch an equaliser. And, you know, if they hadn't, hadn't hit the post and Rufa had scored, then, you know, he probably would have got his wish. But uh, unfortunately for him, he didn't. So for me, I... I just wish he'd, uh, you know, he'd gone a bit harder from, from you know, start of the second half and tried to win the game rather than trying to ease their way back into it. So uh, that's unfortunately the end for the Phoenix. They did actually, you know, run out of gas towards the end of the season, and there's probably plenty of things, whether it be announcing leaving players or coaches or, you know, players having babies or that sort of thing, and that's all part of life. So, you know, decent effort from them. That's two, that's back-to-back -back, uh, top six finishes in the last two years, but they haven't really gone too far into the final series. Whereas for Adelaide, they now go into a game against uh, you know really good uh, Mariners outfit, but they'll they'll fancy their chances of being able to get past them and getting through to a, an A League Grand Final. Moving on to the second of the two uh, elimination finals, this was the first ever, as we said last week, uh, Sydney Derby, Western Sydney Wanderers hosting Sydney FC on the Saturday night. Tell us what happened here, Boj. 
Yeah, huge. First uh, first Sydney derby in a final series. Um, the score finished 2-1 to Sydney FC. Uh, goal scorers for the Wanderers, uh, Morgan Schneiderlin in the 39th minute, a, a penalty. And uh, in the second half for Sydney FC, Robert Mack in the 69th and Adam LaFondra with the winner in the 80th. Um, my player of the match was was Robert Mack, uh, one goal and, and an assist. And, you know, he's been... Since, since the international break in March, I think he's got five goals and an assist now. Um, he's, he's come back a, a different player. I don't know. He, he went home to Slovenia and um, Slovakia and, and, you know, I don't, I don't know what they fed him over there, but um, he, he's he's come back on fire and he's he's just been a, a totally, you know, he, he was good at the, the first half of the season, don't get me wrong, but he's just been completely different in terms of, you know, Output and 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 goals in this back end of the season. So, um, you know, I, I think, thought he was I think, great. Nail on the head there when you say he's come back a different person because not only was he as he been on fire on the pitch, but the way he grabbed his badge and went to the fans. That's not him either. So I don't know what's happened to him. He's the quietest bloke ever when he was here at the start of the season, and now he's riling up his biggest rival fans. So yeah, he's come back a totally different person on and off the pitch. Yeah, honestly, I don't know. I don't know what someone said to him or, <laughs> or what happened over there, but. Um, you know, when you go away with the national team, you gain confidence as a footballer. You know, getting called up for for national duties, you know, it's the it's the the, the top, you know, the top of football. It doesn't get much better than that. Um, so he's obviously come back. Uh, I think he got a goal for you know, when he was when he was over there as well, and he's brought that back. And like you said, he's he's come back and he's he's kissing the badge and you know pointing to the badge. And um, you know, I think I think Sydney. Um, have really been building this this back back half of the season, um, so uh, you know that they've they've done well to to beat a Wanderers side, especially after being one nil at half time. Um, and this goes into my turning point. I think the turning point was half time. The Wanderers came out in the second half and just sat back. Um, Sydney came out absolutely flying. I don't know what Corica said to him at half time, but. They were pressing high up the pitch. They were winning the ball, um, you know, in the opposition half. They were turning the Wanderers over, and the Wanderers were just anchored in their own half for 15, 20 minutes. Um, you know, they, they were literally camped on their 18-yard box, you know, from from halfway to, to the 18-yard box, and, and Sydney were just piling on the pressure, and it was literally just a, a matter of time. Um, it didn't help that uh, Tomislav Mercella came off injured. Um, you know, you saw on his face when he when he came off, he was he was pretty much in tears, um, sitting on the bench. So he he knew that his probably his season was over, regardless if they if they went on to win or or lost. Um, but yeah, it was it was a tough tough watch for for the Wanderers fans in that second half. Um, a lot of pressure applied by Sydney. And like I said, it was only a matter of time before before they cracked and and Sydney got that that first goal, uh, a bit of brilliance from Mac, uh, cutting inside and and shooting. Touching and, on that, and then, you're hundred percent spot on. So about the fiftieth minute, Sydney came to life. So pretty much just after half time, and there was only really one team in it from that, that point on. But uh, when you say that Mac, uh, you know, with a great finish, it was. But uh, I know he's a great guy, and, and you know, speaking of Tommy Mercer, he said to me one of the nicest, if not the nicest guy in the club, is uh, is Adama Traore. But that header, especially when your coach is a, a, a fullback, used to be a defender, was absolutely horrendous. He could have headed that anywhere. He's headed that straight down the middle to a player who's come running through and picked the ball up. He could have put it out for a corner. He could have flicked it back over his head so it went out towards the corner flag, and then you then you you know you you set up again. 
it was the worst place he could have put it other than headed in his own net. Yeah, as a, and as a defender, you should never head the ball, you know, back into the, in, into the mix, essentially. The traffic, you, should no be, way. you should be trying to head it, head it away or, like you said, flick it on or... I don't know if he just got his body positioning uh, mixed up. If it if he saw it late, I don't know what it was, but um, yeah, it was it was a poor header, and it's it's fallen straight to straight to the player there, and and you know they've scored a goal from it. But was it basically um, left his team out? Right, that's that's a long and short of that's that's bluntly your ideas. Pretty much, but insane. Yeah, insane. That I still I still think Sydney probably would have had another two chances, even if they didn't get that chance, but. They've given him a sniff from from that goal, and you know from from then on there was only one team that was going to go on and win the match, and and that was Sydney FC. Um, what I would have changed, I, I think, I think um, Marco Rudan was a little bit reactionary. He was, a, he was a little bit slow to acknowledge that Sydney were starting to get on top and and really dominate. And you know you saw the team, you know his team were just retreating pretty much for it was 10, 15 minutes straight. It was just absolute barrage. And, um, you know, apart from the force change with uh, Mercer coming off, um, I thought his other changes were a little bit reactionary. Obviously, Robert Mack scores, then he throws Milanovic on um, up top, and that was a a like-for-like substitution. Then LaFondra scores, he makes three subs. It's Yangi, uh, Engabodo, and Wilmarin coming on. And I think by that stage, it was was too late. The game was gone. Sydney weren't going to give up a a 2-1 lead. Um, You know, for me, I would have, Put on Yangi and and maybe Angabodo, you know they they need to come on after 55, 60 minutes because the Wanderers were were getting the ball, it was going upfield and it was just coming straight back at them. They needed someone up there to hold on to the ball or someone who could break the lines and, um, you know may, maybe produce a counter attack somehow to sort of get back you know, get in behind Sydney because Sydney were were quite high. But, um, you know I think Leuni and even Barella at times they just didn't really provide that and. I think that's partially because Sydney also defended so well. Yeah, look, uh, it was still a memorable night and a memorable final, but uh, it'll be uh, long remembered for Sydney a lot longer than it will be for the Wanderers. But that's the end of our revolutionised roundup of the elimination finals. Up after the break, we welcome to the coaches' escape room Central Coast Mariners gaffer Nick Montgomery and his right-hand man Sergio Raimundo for a chat. Catch you after the break. You're listening to the Football Revolution. Joining us now in the player slash coach escape room are two men who have led their team to a sensational second place finish in the A-League this season. Please welcome to the show Central Coast Mariners head coach Nick Montgomery and assistant coach Sergio Raimondo. G'day gentlemen, welcome to the show. There you go guys, thanks for having us. Firstly, congratulations on a wonderful season to date with hopefully more success to come. A top two finish with the youngest average squad age in the league is something you should be all very proud of. What have been the key factors that are resulted in your success this season? Um, look, I think it's it's a project that's taken a couple of years. It's, it's not an overnight uh, project that we've just decided to throw some young players in the team and, and, and try and uh, win the league. Because I've, I think starting any season and, and not being ambitious, is uh, that's not the way that myself and Sergio work. Um, but when you look at the average age of the team, this, we started this a couple of years ago and, and really it was a vision that we both had and that was to make the Mariners the, the the number one development club in in the country, um, and to do that, yeah, it's been a lot of hard work uh, by a lot of good people, um, and also a lot of challenges that we faced as well. But I think last season, you know, we we showed that we were willing to play young players, and a lot of them players we coached in the academy the last couple of years. So to give them the debut and to see them, you know, really uh, flourish last season and challenge, uh, challenge week in week out. 
get to the FA Cup final for the first time in the club's history and, and, and getting the finals football, which is, we know, is a lottery. And obviously, we, we fell short in the end, but, you know, to, to, to then rebuild again at the start of the year and, and to, uh, you know, continue that same uh, philosophy of giving young players opportunities as well as bringing in good visa players uh, and, and, you know, also good young Australian players that, for whatever reason, um, you know, haven't really had the game time that they've wanted at other clubs. And, you know, for us, that's an opportunity to bring them in and, and give them a platform to, you know, to really uh, show what they can they can offer. Um, and, yeah, we've uh, found ourselves challenging everyone this year and, to finish second behind Melbourne City, you you know, had a benchmark team in the competition and and, and for us that's a massive achievement and, and yeah, we're really proud of it. So tell us a little bit about your coaching paths and, and how they both crossed uh, together. I'll speak then then you have to ask Sergio some questions, but not myself and Sergio, we, we met I think it's 2015-16 on the UEFA B uh, B license which I was still doing that while I was a player because I always had the ambitions to coach. And yeah, I met Sergio and, and people always said that the best thing about the course is when you go over to Europe and, and do the UEFA badges uh, is the people that you meet. Obviously, the content on the on the courses is fantastic. You know, the speakers that, that come in are, are you know, football royalty. And, and, and but really the people that you meet, the coaches, the the, the, the different um, conversations that you have, that's for me the most beneficial thing of the courses. Um, and I met Sergio and instantly I knew that he was yeah, he was way ahead of everybody else on the course in terms of his coaching um, and, and where he'd been and what he'd seen and what he'd done. And we just became really good friends and we kept in touch. And yeah, it was, I followed him, he followed me and, we always said, as soon as we get the opportunity, let's work together. And unfortunately, I, uh, I took the MPL team when I retired from playing at the Mariners. And yeah, there was only one person I wanted to bring in to, to be by my side, and that was Sergio. And had its challenges, but managed to get him over. And, and that's when we started, uh, you know, in, in the academy and with the rebuild, um, you know, many years ago. Um, and that, we're still there. Uh, we're still exactly the same now. Beautiful. And a little bit about your coaching background, Sergio. Um, so I've started very young, um, um, in 2008, started working for Benfica, um, in Lisbon in the under six, sevens, eights, nines. At the time, there was a, a nice player coming through, was Jota from Celtic. He was at the academy and then developed to the under 19s. And since then, after that, coached in six different countries in Portugal, Austria, Senegal. Brazil, Canada, and ended up in Australia. Has uh, Ange Postacoglu sent you a thank you message for uh, for training uh, Jota at a young age? That's that's a good, good shout. I actually never never thought about it, but I, I actually I actually wasn't on my age rank. He was on the age rank above under eights, under nines. I was in six sevens, but um, he was already the favorite of the coordinator. So I think you have to say thank to our coordinator. So, Sergio, um, did you ever think before you ran into Nick Montgomery that you'd end up in Australia? Uh, yes, before, because uh, when I was at university, I, I really wanted to come to to Australia for a year for an experience, but it never happened. So I thought about that, but I never thought in, in coming to coach. Obviously, I followed Nick and um, was somebody I always appreciated a lot from the course. Not only as as uh, for the history as in the game, but also for the person he is. He's a family man, uh, somebody that takes care of the others, and is a good 
a good manager. And look, I, I'll be honest with you, I'm very hard to work with because I, I demand a lot from myself, from everybody around. But Nick has has the exact same uh, same um, same values and and same ethic, and he takes care of people. So I wouldn't work with anybody else. Maybe one two people in the world, and and um, and from the course, he was maybe the one of two I would work with. Uh, even if it was a big job, I'd say no. And it was easy to to start working with him because, as I told you, big values, good person. A family man, a wonderful, a wonderful person in man management. Maybe the best I've I've ever seen before. And um, the the past the the stars aligned, and we started working together. Hey, speaking of that, so we were going to ask what qualities do you most admire about each other on and off the pitch, and I think you've answered that very well, Sergio. So, what about you, Nick? What values do you admire most about Sergio on and off the pitch? I just firstly, just 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 is how genuine and humble he is as a person. Um, I think he's a, a great guy, and the number one, I think you got to be a good person, you know, first and foremost. But then, when you talk about football, he's, his knowledge in football and his expertise of, you know, not only developing uh, some of the best players in the world, but the experiences that he's had. You know, at times he makes me uh, feel guilty. He speaks six languages or seven languages. I only speak one, um, and I keep saying to him, "Well, you know, I need to learn a different language," but if we go to a different country, I don't want to learn French, French, and then go to Portugal, for example. Um, so no, he's uh, yeah, he's just an exceptional coach, and uh, the biggest compliment I always give Sergio is, you know, I spent nearly twenty years playing, and fortunate to, to to play it in the Premier League, and and you know, be coached by some coaches that I've coached in the Premier League and won Premier League titles and Champions Leagues, and and I just wish that I would have been coached by someone like Sergio, or the young player. Um, because yeah, he's he's exceptional, and I think what Sergio said. Then we just both have very very similar values on everything. Um, we challenge each other. We don't always agree. Um, we, don't, we never argue. It's a discussion, and then by the end of it, we say, "All right, let's do this," and 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 we decide on it, and that's it. There's never there's never any all you know. I didn't think we should have done this. I know when maybe we should have done that. It's no. We have discussion. We obviously go deep into it as well, and whether it's on a player tactics uh, opposition. Uh, a game plan, and by the end of it, we you know we agree and we're hundred percent behind the the process. And at the end of it, you know whatever happens, we uh, we review it and accept it, whether we win win lose or draw. So it's uh, yeah, I always got told that to be a good manager, you need good good people around you, and you can't be the smartest person in the room. And yeah, with Sergio and the other staff that I've got, I'm definitely not the smartest person in the room. But we all have our strengths and weaknesses, and it's about. You know, everybody working together to to you know for the for the for the same outcome. When you do disagree and you have these in depth discussions, um, what 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 has caused the most debate between you two this season? What what's what's been the biggest issue? I, I guess apart from referees, <laughs> just telling me to calm down, or I tell him to calm down. Uh, that's probably the biggest debate. But uh, look, sometimes it's. I think the complexity of football now is is huge. It's the data, the, the statistics, and uh, at the end of it, you know, you can only pick a starting eleven, and then substitutions. But you know, we have discussions about the subs because we, although we don't have a big squad, you know, we have to leave a couple out every week, and sometimes in games you have to anticipate something's going to happen, and um, the way that the opposition play, and, and sometimes that dictates the, the the squad that you pick and the subs. So. Probably that's what we discuss most. Um, we never disagree on it, and 
And I think the best thing about the way that me and Sergio work, I, I see some things, he sees others, but when you put them both together, you normally get the answer. And that's, I think that's real, real special thing that we have between us. Look, I, I love, I was at the game when you uh, played against the Phoenix and it was the game that you actually got uh, sent off there, Nick, and uh, Serge was right behind you. So right or wrong, uh, you guys both went into bat for each other. So I knew from that point on that you guys both uh, are a dynamic duo. So um, last season you finished fifth and were knocked out in the elimination final away to Adelaide. On the weekend, you defeated the same opponent on their turf 4-1 to secure second place. It confirms the improvement in the squad. What have you done differently or better this season? I think we didn't sit still. I think we made decisions on players that we needed to move on. Um, you know, we also sold people forget this, but we sold Kai Rolls, who for me was the best centre back in the competition. We sold Mark Birigetti, who was the best goalkeeper in the competition. Um, we lost Lewis Miller, who for me was probably the best right back in the competition. Um, as well as in January, we lost Garang Kowal, who was the most exciting talent in the country, um, to a Premier League club. So, you know. We were always looking and, and by contacts and Sergio's contacts, we were always looking around that what players we could bring in um, from overseas uh, to, to improve us. But then players had to be, you know, I'll use Tullio as an example, you know, a player that has, uh, possibly needs his, his career kickstarting. It wasn't about money. It was about the project that we had to sell to him. And, and you know, the guy came from Sport in Lisbon with a 60 million euro price tag uh, buyout clause in his contract. And when we brought him in, nobody had any idea who he was. And we got questioned, you know, as we always do, who are these foreigners, you know, who are the Mariners bringing in? Benny Nicololo, League 3 in France, we brought him in and he's now one of the best swingers in the competition with interest from big clubs overseas. So recruitment is is, is key to what we do, as well as um, uh, the players that we work with in the academy and the players that we can see that are, uh, have already come through and the players that are, are, are going to come through like they have this year. So, um, yeah. You know, as well as, uh, you know, staff and players, you know, putting a group of people and players together and staff that all believe in the same, uh, in the same goal. And that was for us to challenge everyone this year and, and to get in the top six, number one, that's a massive overachievement for the Mariners, uh, considering, um, the challenges that we have as a club and to get there and obviously better that and, and come second is, is something that we're obviously really proud of, but it's a lot of hard work by a lot of good people. Um, but yeah, you can't sit still in football. You always have to think ahead and, and, and make big decisions. So probably pass on to Serge now and see what he thinks on, on that question. Tough players. And um, nowadays, whenever I talk to somebody, because we have people from all over the world saying they're following us and how amazing it is, I always say, I have this motto, I say, smallest budget, youngest squad, biggest heart. And um, and that goes from staff to players to 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 the whole club. Yesterday, actually, we had our medal night, and our CEO uh, said that he've assisted into a massive change in the club where everybody started believing. It's believing we can do more, do more in Asia, that do more in in the local competition in youth. Just um, try, trying to 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 be why not try to be the best if if you can't you if you can sometimes you may get close to it and be excellent in what we do speaking of bringing players in to, to the squad brian kaltak he was playing in the uh, south australian mpl um you know and, and now he's been named your, your coach's player of the year tell us what he's brought to the team yeah so this question was 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 asked last night and 
number one, but what Brian's bought is his inspiration, you know, for every other player to see that you know, a player like Brian has, has come from Vanuatu, a small Pacific island. He's the first professional ever to come out of his island, uh, which is it's phenomenal, really. Um, but just his humility, he's, he's, he's the most humble guy you've ever come across. And, and, you know, we brought him in on trial last year. Um, because we had a friend that said, look, have a look at this guy. And within one day, myself and Sergio just saw what a phenomenal athlete. His, his personality was infectious. The boys absolutely loved him. We loved him after one day. And then I think he hurt his knee the next day. He hurt his medial, which is probably the first time he's ever done that in his career. Because the guy's an absolute rock. Um, and he was devastated. And, and it was towards the end of our A-League season. And we had a conversation and just said, look, Go off, go and play, um, which he went to Adelaide. Um, go and play in NPL, keep playing, get yourself back fit. And when the pre-season starts, we'll bring you back in. And I don't think he believed us. And, and yeah, we got to that point where, you know, we said, get get yourself back in. And we brought him in and, and yeah, we, we gave him a contract. It was an injury replacement contract for Maresh, the Brazilian boy. Um, and, yeah, it was, yeah, his, his development was literally... Um, so quick because he listened he's humble he wanted to learn um, and physical attributes he had our world-class i said it before he's a world-class athlete um and myself and Sergio always say we just wish we'd have had him when he was 20 years old because i think he'd be playing in the premier league now he's that he's that physically good and, and technically he's very good and his knowledge of the game is has grown so quick because he's so willing to learn and at 29 years old he said the one word that, that I think describes him is inspirational and he's been an absolute rock and, and I think he's one of the best defenders in the early competition. But the best thing is that I think in life he's proven people wrong and he spent 10 years in New Zealand. Numerous coaches at Wellington never touched him, never brought him in on trial. He was in Adelaide. No one touched him. He never went on trial. Um, and apparently most a lot of early clubs were told about him and, and nobody gave him an opportunity. So to give someone an opportunity uh, 29 years old and for him to do what he's done this year. I think he's inspirational for everybody in football, whether you're young, whether you're 29 years old, whether you come from Vanuatu or Fiji or anywhere that, you know, if you believe, which Brian did, and he just needed uh, coaches like myself and Sergio to, to believe in him and, and and give him that opportunity. And he's more than repaid his back and he's an absolute joy to, to have at the club. Uh, there's a lot, lot to like about the club this year, not only performances and the way you've played and the players you've found, and there's just endless things. But, uh, you know, we wish you all the best for the uh, the final series. But uh, we'd like to get into one of the first two games we'd like to play with our guests, which is called Six Aside. We've tweaked this a little bit to um, make it more customised for the coaches. But uh, we'll ask you six questions about your Mariners players and uh, you just tell us who you think is the most applicable for each of those categories, if that's okay with you. You can, you can both answer too, so throw, throw any names in. Perfect. Sounds good. Who is the most likely to be late to training or to the airport for an away game? Go on, Serge, you go first. Maresh. I'd say is Sashi. he by far the most non-punchable in the whole team? Most laid. Yeah, he's... Laid-back Brazilian nature, is it? Yes, he's very laid-back. Um, yeah, his iPhone never seems to work where everybody else's does. So. <laughs> yeah, he must have the only iPhone in the world that, that doesn't automatically change its time. Um, anyway, that, that, that's Maresh. <laughs> He's one, and I think the other one is Sasha Kozevsky, one of the young players from the coast. I think he'd lose his head if it wasn't screwed on. You know, his concentration <laughs> is his concentration lasts about five seconds, um, and then yeah, that's probably <laughs> two, two of the players there. 
As I say, if a coach is calling you out, you're in big trouble, right? I think <laughs> I think if you're Moreski, you should be uh, yeah, making sure you can get a new clock. But uh, we'll have to buy him a new iPhone. Um, who is the most competitive? I'll go first, probably Nectar Triantis. I think for a 19 year old, like the kid wants to win every tackle, every header. He's yeah, he's just super competitive, and that's why you know he's he's grown so quickly uh, this this season. And for me, he's again, he's one of the best defenders in the comp and Australian wise. I think, yeah, in four years' time, I can see him, Kai Rawls and, and Harry Suter lining up in the World Cup. Um, that's the vision, but he's, he's that competitive and that's a really good thing to have. Look, if we could just find another Mariners defender, you'd have all three and that'd be a, a big tick on your book. Yeah, yeah I'd never thought of that. <laughs> yeah, well, we can work on it. We can have a look around. Go on, Serge, who would you say? Uh, I'll say, actually, surprising, maybe, Vukovic. Uh, <laughs> The guy, he works like he's solid, solid working. And even on the small passing exercises, he's, sometimes we want to rest him and he just wants to be involved in everything and win everything. And and um, I think he's, he's the one setting the standard for the some of the young boys. Yeah, he's been an excellent signing. Who is more likely to offer to drop one of the young lads home or help you pick up the gear after training, Serge? Uh, straight away, Max Ballard is the one. <laughs> he's a silent leader um, still a young boy but when he speaks everybody listens to him even the, the older ones, the younger ones um, he's kind of a silent leader, you won't say so because he's such a quiet, nice kid but um, he's, he's wonderful when it comes to help to be around, to, to, to be the first one doing whatever you ask for he'll, he'll be there And who'd be the least likely, Jason Cummings? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Cummings yeah, when it comes not, to yeah. Yeah, Jess probably normally just taking penalties or kicking the ball in the physio's room and do something stupid. So, yeah, you got that one. You got that one correct. Which player has the best sense of humour? For me, Jason Cummings. <laughs> Are you not yeah. blind? <laughs> Is that the same yeah, for probably, Yeah, pro- probably Jason and, and, and his little sidekick, Harry Steele. It's like Batman and Robin. It's, yeah, whenever there's trouble... They're both normally there, and, and yeah, it's a funny little uh, little duo. They've even got the same hairdo going at the moment too, don't they? It's just, yeah. it's just, it's just overflowing a little bit. Same hairdresser. We we have a, <laughs> we have a joke between us. We say we call each other hairshays. So they, I think they kind of want to impress. They want to do the the proper hair, hair <laughs> okay. and impress everybody with. It. All right, who sucks up to the coaching staff the most? It's a hard one, actually. We uh, we have a good relationship with all the players, to be honest. And my doll's always open. Sergio's doll's, doll's always open. So I think they're not yeah. here anymore. Maybe. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Is there no one that brings you a coffee, or there was some baked goods their mum made? There's none of those ones that uh, the non-obvious ones. Uh, they're not here anymore. I think they moved on last season. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Enough said. Then. Who is the most high-maintenance player in the squad? I'd probably say Sammy Silvera. He's an unbelievable talent. Um, I think in terms of confidence, why is he a real confidence player? He, he, in terms of high maintenance, I think yeah, he needs to be confident all the time, and you need to, um, you know, you need to, uh, yeah, just just drive him a lot because again, he's such an unbelievable potential, and I think he's really grown this year. Um, we always say, you know, the more low maintenance, high output players you have, it makes you a very strong team. But you need one or two 
high maintenance like Sammy, you know, that can just win you a game uh, from nothing. Um, and they're the ones that you have to manage. But he's a great kid and, and yeah, he's really grown in the last six or seven months since he came into the Mariners. So, Serge, I don't know if you agree. For me, Marco Tullio, because I have to translate everything for him. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, that's a good call. That's why, that's why Nick brought you in, because you speak six different languages. So yeah. You're handy like that. That's it. <laughs> So before we move on to the second game we like to play, I saw on socials uh, today that the Phoenix have put up a, a believe sign in their change rooms like on Ted Lasso. Is there anything the Mariners we can expect from the Mariners heading into the final series that we can see that uh, to motivate the players? I think everybody loves Ted Lasso. You know, we all uh, we all talk about believing. Um, some of the staff call me Roy Kent, I think. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's, that's from my playing days or, or whatever. And uh, Serge you know, he shaved his beard off, so he's no longer coach beard. Um, <laughs> but now nah, we, uh, yeah, we have, you know, we have our own on on policies and values, and and yeah, you know, if anything, you know, we're a family. That's our values, and you know, we stick together through thick and thin, and we pull each other up when we don't, we don't perform, and and yeah, obviously belief is yeah, normal thing. Everyone, if you don't believe, you got no chance. Brilliant. All right, moving on to our second game, we call this one one two. So. Um, I'll just say a few words and you just say the first thing that comes to your mind. So um, what song best describes you? Eye of the Tiger. You want to sing a few <laughs> lines for us? <laughs> no, I'm definitely not a good singer. <laughs> what about you, Sergio? I, I, I hope we are the champions after the after this season. Mate, you're always thinking on your feet, aren't you? Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one, that, Serge. Very good. Uh, your cooking skills? Very good. Yeah? What, what's your go-to dish? Probably the old spaghetti bolognese. I uh, I used to um, live in Diggs when I was in uh, when I first started playing and I used to do the, the big pot of spaghetti and, and bolognese uh, for probably about six or seven boys. I never got any complaints. So, yeah, probably my signature dish. How about you, Serge? Rice, pasta, and uh, sausages. That's it. Beautiful. The staples. You, you got to have them in your diet. The minimums. <laughs> you guys might need to run a cooking some cooking classes in the off season because every time we meet the players and we ask the players what they cook, they can't cook anything. So if you guys want them to stay uh, fit and healthy during the off season, I think you guys might have to run a couple of uh, ad hoc uh, cooking classes in the off season. Definitely. Yeah, we uh, we we definitely try and try and um, get them doing stuff like that. Bring people in, and we've got a chef Dan that works for the club as well, who sometimes takes the boys in and teaches them how to cook. Um, but yeah, I think that's why most of them get a girlfriend and hope that they're going to cook for them. But <laughs> that doesn't happen when's the, anymore. Next, when's the next class? My, my <laughs> wife might send me up to the coast. Oh yeah. The problem. Uh, is, next question. Sorry, sorry, the problem is that in off season they all go to cooking classes in Bali. Yeah, true. Uh, they bring ten kilo extra 10 kilo back with them. <laughs> Uh, the next question, uh, remembering special occasions like birthdays, anniversaries, how do you go with that? Shocking. Actually, it's actually my wife's 40th, short like me saying, but my wife's 40th coming up next week and you just reminded me, so thank you. <laughs> all you have to do, Nick, is just assign it to one of the players, right, and tell them there's game time on the line. That's all. Or just give us a two of them. <laughs> no, that's a good idea. It's got expensive taste, so they won't like it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How about you, Serge? Uh, shocking. No, I, I, do, I till today. I sometimes I forget how old I am. I so you can see my wife. I don't. I don't know. I always mix up two two dates. 
So I wait to get close to the date and see if some friends remind me or so. So it's a bit bad. Thank God for iPhones and Facebook this time. So um, your singing ability, how do you guys go at uh, karaoke? Terrible. Zero to none. <laughs> Is there a worse player? Is there a player that sings worse than the, the coaching staff? Oof. Yeah, we've had a few. Um, the young boys first away trip, they have to get up and sing. And I think Lockie Bayliss, um, who actually hasn't appeared in the first team yet, but he's one of the scholarship boys. Yeah, it was that bad. A boy started throwing food at him, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> not good. So he's definitely a better footballer than he is a singer. Yeah. He's up there with Miguel de Pizio. <laughs> okay. um, a, a coach you admire? Uh, in terms of coaches I've worked with or just in general? Just, just, just in general. In general, yeah. in general I, uh, yeah. I like Jurgen Klopp. I think what he did at Liverpool when he came in for, for them first couple of years was unbelievable. Um, yeah, they, they were just... Yeah, they were just so powerful, and yeah, just when you see when you see how he is with the players, and and the players all love him, and he's he's just one of the one of the boys. I think yeah, I've never met him personally, um, but I think he's yeah, an unbelievable coach, and he's been through some tough times as well, and he's come out the other end, and I think that's a real real test. Surely we can speak to uh, the management at the Mariners and see if we can get Liverpool to come and play the Mariners. That way, you get your wish. <laughs> yeah, it would be nice. How about you, Serge? Coach you admire? Uh, Jose Mourinho definitely he marked the generation and when I was coming through and started coaching and I was lucky to have the same mentor that he had which he still calls as a second father Manuel Sergio is somebody that's very special to me 90, 90 years old that never talked to me about football but teached me the most I know about uh, methodology and training beautiful um are you talented at any other sports? Um, not bad at golf. Uh, I used to play rugby, a little bit of cricket. It's a bit of an all-rounder. Not not great at many things, um, but a bit talented at, at a few of them. But never really, never really tried them. Other than just just a bit of fun because I was just yeah, always playing football. Um, so yeah. How about you, Serge? I was a very good athlete in 400, 400 meters in athletics in Portugal. And um, I was always doing both at the same time. So that's it. Fast guy. Fast guy. And uh, good, good stamina. 400 meters, it's the hardest race, uh, the hardest race to run. So yeah. very good. And not a good sign for the players. It means you've got someone who's a 400 meter runner. It means uh, fitness <laughs> is not, not, not a pleasure, right? It's hard work. Exactly. Sac uh, your suffering is nothing. <laughs> Keep yeah. going. The thing that makes you laugh the most? We like to laugh at training. Um, you know, I think we like to have banter with the boys. And, and yeah, I think that's without laughter at the training ground and people not enjoying it. I think it's not the, not the best place to go. And for us, it should be the best place to go. We should want to go there every day. So always having a laugh and a joke and, and, and yeah, just bantering with the players. But we also know when, when we need to be serious. So, um, yeah, just in general, the banter with the boys is, uh, we enjoy that. Yeah, Jason Cummins for sure. Um, quite a few actually. We've got some fun, some funny guys. Very good. Uh, something you've always wanted to do, but never tried. That's Serge. Uh, he seems to have done everything in life. So maybe <laughs> he's got a good answer. Dive with sharks. I would love to.
All right, maybe we'll have to organise something for you. I'm starting. I'm starting to see he's fast. He likes swimming with sharks and that. I think you live on the edge there. So yeah, on the edge. <laughs> if I can bring a couple of coaches with me, and maybe in the end of the season we can do a trip. Who, who would you? Who would you bring? Who? who which? Uh, well, I, I think Nick say. put his hand up for it to come for Nick, the shark Nick, swimming. Nick's, Nick's running <laughs> away. No, Nick knows. I won't say. <laughs> <laughs> would you? Would you take a player with you? Uh, yeah, maybe for the banter. I'd like to see, like to see Moresh's reaction diving with the sharks. I think you'll run over water. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. Uh, what motivates you to work hard? Just every day getting up and, and wanting to go in and yeah, prepare for winning a game of football. I think that's the hardest thing in sport is winning the actual game. And especially when it's a team sport, you've got so many individuals and, and tactics and everything to put together. I think the motivation to do that at the start of the week, you know, and at the end of the week, you know, all that pre preparation is done and it's down to the players to, to go on, on the pitch and deliver. Um, yeah, that, that motivates me every day to go into training. About you, Serge? Definitely develop, helping players, um, helping their lives, their careers and the winning titles because are the things that um, help them to develop, to go for better things. And help the clubs also to 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 make history, and be proud of their badge. Brilliant. Um, and if you weren't a coach, what would you be doing? Probably be just cutting the grass, or I enjoy doing the gardening now and then. <laughs> okay. My wife always my wife always tells me to get out and cut the grass, and I, I really enjoy it. It's <laughs> uh, just switching off, and by the end of it, you see uh, see the lawn and everything really nice and tidy. And, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, Something I enjoy doing, but so the Mariners are doing a good job at the Mariners there, Nick. Uh, sometimes, yeah, sometimes we have to pull him up. Matty Simon has to get on the <laughs> mower and and um, finish it off because he's uh, he's not been in and cut in the morning, so yeah, we're pretty, uh, yeah, we, we like the, the grass as, as well as it can be. The good news is you're a good coach because with so many AstroTurf pitches, I don't know if you would have had a living <laughs> the, way, the way we're hitting with that with that with no grass pitches. Well, there's not one synthetic or, uh, synthetic pitch on a central course, so there's, a, there's some knowledge for you. Yeah, fun fact. Nice. And how about you, Serge? Yeah, I'll probably be again on the edge. Either I'll be in the police, in the SWAT, or special <laughs> forces, something like that. I love it. I love yes, it. How yeah, good. All right, gentlemen, thank you very much for your time. We appreciate it, and it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. We wish you all the best in the coming semi-final. Uh, depending on who you play, we don't know, but uh, either way, we're sure you'll get stuck into it and be ready for it. Uh, and we wish you all the best. Hopefully, you can bring some silverware back to the Central Coast. But uh, once again, thank you very much for your time and uh, all the best. Cheers, guys. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. You're listening to The Football Revolution. Welcome back to the show. It was great chatting with Nick and Sergio, the masterminds behind the Mariners' success, and we wish them all the best in the semifinals against Adelaide United. Up now, it's the uh, end of our show, which is our clinical finish, and the first section of that is our uh, WTF, the What the Foot. So for tonight, it's the uh, with the 18th season of the A-League regular season completed, the first full season without crowd restrictions since the COVID-19 pandemic began, the average attendance was 7,553, the lowest since the competition began, excluding the two COVID-affected seasons and the partially affected 2019-20 season. What the foot? Uh, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. Um, yeah, what the, what the foot? I, I don't know where to start with this because, um, you know, at the start of the season, there was so much promise. Um, 
you know, there were promises made by the APL, by Paramount, you know, we're going to fix this. The streaming service is going to be better this year. There's going to be pause. There's going to be stop rewind. Um, none of that happened. Extra content we got was all access. I know they've, they've put a lot of money into that. It was great. Um, but fan engagement, how do we get, you know, the, the regulars, the, the people that play the game on the weekend, how do we get them to the game, um, you know, week in, week out? And they've failed to do that. The APL failed to do that. The clubs have failed to do that. Um, and, you know, it's it's frustrating, but I, I feel a lot of it has hinged on the APL's decision to, to play the grand final in, in Sydney for the next three years. And I under I can understand why they made that decision, but the way it was delivered to the public has has left a, a sour taste in football fans, you know, mouth. And worse is the fact that they've brought out figures for Magic Round in the rugby league, which you know what was was still way behind the AFL, but the AFL was a million miles in front of us. So was the the rugby league. And I, to be honest, I think the cherry on the top was just the uh, the grand finals. I think a lot of other things they did this year or promises they made. It was like watching a um, uh, you know, a New South Wales uh, election. They promise you stuff, they don't deliver. Then they just you know go hiding in their shells. And if you'd seen Danny Townsend uh, interviewed this week, he said, "Oh, the second that we made that announcement, we called an emergency meeting with the clubs. Why are you doing yeah. it afterwards? I just don't understand. It was absolutely summed it up. That was the, that was the, what you should have said from the start because you didn't say that. The you timing, other rubbish. Yeah, the timing of that decision was just." Bang! It was the the worst possible, the worst possible timing. Um, you know that these things should have been sorted before the season started. The you know the fans should have known about it or, or known it was coming. You can't just drop a, a bomb on on the fans like that halfway through the season after a, such you know the the whole country was on a high after the World Cup. Their defence, VIG, the APL. It's bloody not easy to be able to sabotage that great momentum and high we had from the World Cup, right? It takes a lot of skill to be able to get such a, a country that's flying high, so excited about football, within the space of half an hour to have everyone hating it, not wanting to be anything to do with it. So it does take some skill, right? It's not good skill, but it takes some skill. So, you know, we can leave it at that. But uh, moving on to the games to watch this week, it's semi-final first leg time, riding a derby win high. Sydney FC welcomes the rested champions, Melbourne City. And Central Coast Mariners, after a week's break, travel back to Highmarsh Stadium to face Adelaide United, hoping for another strong away performance like they did probably two weeks ago. Yeah, huge. Two two massive games. Um, it's yeah. I don't know. If, I, I feel like the the two the two legged semi finals is possibly an advantage for you know the, the teams that played last week in Sydney and Adelaide. Um, you know, I know Central Coast and, and Melbourne had the week off, but um, sometimes you lose a bit of that rhythm. And now you've got to go and play a, a home and away series. You know, City have got to travel up to up to Sydney. Uh, Central Coast have got to travel down to Adelaide, and then they get the return legs at home. So it, it's it's huge games um, this week. But um, you know, uh, I, I think I think City will be too good for Sydney. Although Sydney are riding high, like you said, off the Derby win, and they're, they're gaining a bit of momentum. But um, I think over the over the two legs, uh, City will be too good. And you know, if Adelaide turn up on the day, they could cause central. They can cause Central Coast um, some problems. But um, in saying that, you know, I feel like Central Coast deserve deserve that second spot and deserve to be where they are. So hopefully, they can go down to Adelaide, get something there, and, and then come back uh, home to the Central Coast and and get a win there as well.
Yeah, look, uh, I think it will be a City versus Mariners final as well. But uh, two legs is different, right? One-off game, it, it means you just got to turn up for 90 minutes. But when it's two, got to work out travelling away, the travel, you know, playing in front of away fans and then making sure you kind of don't go for all or nothing and find out you've, you you go home with a 2-0 loss or something. So, it's, it's look, it's a, it's a mind game. It's going to be really interesting to see how both, uh, both, uh, both teams in both games and both sets of coaches, you know, attack this. But... Uh, yeah, look, it'll be it'll be very interesting. But uh, if I missed any part of the show or want to listen to other episodes, where can they catch it? Yeah, they can catch us on all good podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, um, also across Football Nation Radio on up on their platforms and uh, also up on our YouTube channel. Mighty excited that we used to be uh, have the unique uh, player escape room. Now we're a coach's escape room. What will be next? I don't know. Maybe like physio's escape room. We, we'll get the BMW on or something like that. that that'll uh, that, that'll be good. Um, but yeah, that possibilities are endless, mate. Yeah, amazing. All right. Good luck to the semi finalists. Two exciting games with the home teams needing a positive result heading into next week's away fixtures. Thank you to Nick and Sergio for coming on the show, and good luck against Adelaide. We hope you enjoyed the show even half as much as uh, we enjoy bringing it to you. And we look forward to your company again next Tuesday. And until then, as we say, rise up and join the football revolution. Have a fantastic week and we'll catch you then.